0: We're starting a new series called the honor culture. Everybody say honor Honor. culture. Culture. Say it again. Honor Honor. Culture. culture. First Peter chapter two is going to kind of be our key verse. In verse 16 into verse 17, Peter is giving a clear instruction to the early church. He says, live as servants of God. Whose servants are you? God's. I don't serve this old wicked world. I'm a servant of the Most High God. Do you believe that? Say yes. Then he goes on. He says, honor everyone. Hmm. Lord, we just repent right now. (laughs) Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Watch this last one. Honor the emperor. Do you know what he just commanded them to do by way of the Holy Spirit? Honor the emperor. Do you know who's emperor at this moment? Nero. Nero. Do you know what Nero is doing to Christians? He's not just murdering them. He is tracking them down. Putting them in the Colosseums. You saw Gladiator. They put those people out in the middle of the Colosseums as the opening scene for the big fights. They would release lions, tigers, and bears. And have them kill the Christians in front of the cheering crowds to intimidate them to give up. Many Christian in that era turned away from God because they didn't want their kids to be killed and murdered. So they would say, yep, yeah, no, I, I don't believe that anymore. I, I don't, I'm not a Christian. In fact, the early church dealt with this for years because then once they realized the sin they committed, they saved their lives. So once they realized the sin they committed, they would come back to the church and the church would accept them back as the scriptures would teach us to. Though our brother sins or he falls or he stumbles, Yet will he arise, and the Lord will pick him back up, and we're to accept him back as the body of Christ. No How many times you stumble, no matter how many times you fall, how many times you turn your back on the Lord, he, re- he, re- he restores you and receives you back every time. Aren't you glad about that? Say yes. So the early church would, and, but how would they distinguish? Go back and check your history. They would distinguish This is where saints came from, the concept of saint this and saint that. It's because the early church wanted to validate those who um, gave their lives for their Christianity. And so they, instead of demeaning those who turned their back on Jesus in that moment for fear of being destroyed, they actually took those who actually were martyred for the name of Christ, and they actually began to call them saints, extra saints. Now, we're all considered saints. Amen? Thank you, Jesus, because we've been renewed and and redeemed. But that's kind of where that term came from. And and the Apostle Peter is reminding the early church, and i.e. us, on the value that God has on honor. He says honor everyone, everyone. Not only that, guys, honor the emperor. Can you imagine saying that? Honor the person who's trying to kill us and destroy us. Now, let me define for you the word honor for just a moment so we can maybe in our English language we lose a little bit of a picture of what that is, especially in more modern times. But the word honor is to value as, a, as extremely precious, to give respect. Therefore, dishonor is to treat as common, to not value, to have no value for to... See, so the Apostle Peter is telling us to honor, to value everyone. Can I just tell you something? I don't care how messed up or, or worthless you may feel that your life is. There is value in you. It's so much so that Jesus Christ died for every man and woman to ever be alive on this planet. He sees value in someone when you and I don't even see it. He honors life enough to give his own life to save every soul. Are you tracking with me today? Say Yes. And so it's with that that I want to just point out what has happened in our culture over the last 30 years in the United States where we all have been raised and live and abide. See, in today's culture, it place more value on can you produce rather than are you worthy just in and of yourself? Are you valuable just in who you are? We put more value on can you outdo everyone else? And if you can outdo everyone else, then I will give you the respect. But if you're not as good as everyone else, then I won't give you respect. And in our culture, uh, we, we, we see honoring as kissing up to someone. Brown nosing is a term that's used a lot. That if we're going to honor someone, see, you just kissing up. you just a kiss up. Whereas the scripture tells us to honor everyone. To esteem everyone as valuable. To respect everyone all life are you tracking with me today say yes whereas in our culture only honor those that benefit us i will honor you if it benefits me in fact we've even taken it so far is that if i see any weakness in you that now it gives me the opportunity to not honor you it gives me the right to not honor you Because see i see weakness in you so how can i respect you this is the culture in which we live this is not the culture of Christianity. This is not the culture of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ being hung between two thieves. As, there, as this one is dishonoring him and dishonoring him and dishonoring him, And this one begins to show honor in the midst of it. He says, today you'll be with me in paradise, buddy. It was right here in front of you. You could have spent eternity with me. But you lacked honor. We see these two, these two things fighting against each other. Dishonor versus honor. Friend, I would challenge us today that the church needs a healthy dose of honor again. That the body of Christ, you and me, I need a refreshing. I'm showing seeing value in other people, even if they can't benefit me. Are you tracking? Say yes. And so I want to talk to you for the next few minutes about the power of dishonor, the power of it. As we go into this series, it's going to be a four-part series. We're going to look at the power of dishonor. We're going to look at those who God specifically throughout Scripture tells us to honor. And then we're going to close out this series with talking about when we honor the supernatural things that we'll see happening. But let's start today with the power of dishonor. Here's the first thing that, or or, or power that dishonor will have in your life. If you're struggling to honor others, if you have a spirit of dishonor, let me tell you what the effect it's going to have on you. The first power of it is you're going to see leprosy to your soul. It's like leprosy to your soul. I use this word very specific. Leprosy to your soul. Go with me to Numbers chapter 12. I'm going to read to you from verses 1 through 11. We're going to study the word a little bit today. Is that okay? Say yes. Yes. All right. I want to show you what the Holy Scripture teaches. It's not my opinion but what the word of God actually says. In Numbers chapter 12, we find that Moses has gotten the children of Israel. They've been slaves to Egypt. God supernaturally sets them free. Uses Moses to lead them out. Now Moses has a sister named Miriam and a brother named Aaron. Miriam, if you remember, when Moses was a Baby, and Pharaoh was killing all the babies Miriam was the one After mama put Moses in the little basket And he drifted down the river And here is uh, Pharaoh's daughter out there Taking a bath, a shower And this baby comes wah, wah. She goes and gets it. Miriam, Moses' older sister, runs up like she didn't. Oh, my goodness, what did you find, sister? Oh, my goodness, princess, what did you find? Princess, guess what? What if I find you a Hebrew lady who can actually nurse this baby for you? And and Miriam's being used by the Lord. She goes and gets her mama, and, no, and Moses ends up being cared for by his own mama in the palace. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. So this woman is used by God. We find that Miriam is like a prophetess in the house of the Lord. She writes the first song and dancing all across as they come out of Egypt. And she begins to worship God. And the attention is on her. Aaron, his brother, is the mouthpiece for Moses. Because Moses isn't a good communicator. He, he, he's, he's, he's a humble leader, but he's not a strong public communicator. So Aaron is being used to, to, to stand in front of Pharaoh and others and, and speak on behalf of Moses. And Moses is kind of standing there. And so we see them working as a team. They are the the fabulous three. I mean, they they are a team and they're a family and they're leading these people out out of Egypt into the wilderness and all of these things are transpiring when all of a sudden in chapter 12, verse 1, it says Miriam and Aaron begin to talk against Moses. They begin to slander and gossip their brother because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Now he'd been married earlier and uh, and had a couple kids with this lady, and I believe probably what we what, what we think has transpired is she's passed away. So he marries again, but he marries a Cushite. If you're reading King James, King James may use Ethiopian. It's probably not as accurate. What we're pro- pro- what we're talking about is south of Egypt, so we're talking about what would have been then Nimbia, which is now probably more modern Sudan. So she's a Cushite. She's not from a country that would have been so pagan that God told him to stay away from. He he marries this woman who's a Kushai, but more than likely, she don't look like them. Her skin tone might be a little different than them. Her culture might be a little different than them. And Big Sister is like, what have you done? What are you doing? Because Mama probably doesn't come in with all kinds of attitude because she just became First Lady. Whereas... <laughs> Whereas Miriam has been first lady because the other wife, she ain't even been around a whole lot because she had been off with her father-in-law while Moses was doing all this crazy stuff and then Jethro had brought her. And so really Miriam kind of had been the head chick. She had been the mama of the house for a while. And now a new mama of the house comes in and not only that, but she's a different culture. And so more than likely, she's concerned about losing her position of power. More than likely, she's a little frustrated about the cultural difference because this new mama ain't giving her the kind of respect that she thought she should deserve because she's now first lady, and now now Miriam's having some issues. So Miriam starts talking bad about Moses, her and Aaron, and she pulls Aaron into this mess, and they start talking bad about Moses and then goes on, and the true test of what's going on in her heart comes out. Verse 2, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? (laughs) He ain't the only Christian around here. And the only one used by God. I got more followers on social media than he does. (laughs) He he ain't the only one. Is God only speak through Moses? And he says, has he not also spoken through us? Ladies and gentlemen, I would like you to look at God's response. At the end of verse 3, it says, and the Lord heard this. Who heard it? The Lord. What did you say? The Lord heard it. He didn't need nobody to come he wasn't waiting on Moses. Guess what, brother and sisters doing to me? Ain't none that the Lord heard her. Gossiping and slandering and being disrespectful. It says, now Moses, verse 3, was a humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. Papa's mad. Now, I don't know if they were, if, 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 if we're not really sure because it's not clear in Scripture. I don't know if Miriam and Aaron was over at Moses' house giving him a piece of their mind, and he was just acting humble, and God heard it. I don't know if Miriam and Aaron was in their own little tents having this little gossip fest. I don't know. I don't know if they had had a gossip fest and then was back at their own house, and God said audibly to each three of them, come to my house right now. Got a test. Oh, snap, God wants to talk to us. (laughs) Come to my house. Come to the tent of meeting right now. And when both of them, excuse me, verse 5, then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud, and he stood at the entrance of the tent, and summoned Aaron and Miriam. Step up. You two, step up. When both of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. And then the father went off. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. He sees the form of the Lord. Now, now, no one can look upon the Lord and see and see him and live. That's that's standard in understanding in Scripture. So when it says I speak to him face to face, that's actually a colloquialism for something more. What where we might would put it in words like this: I, I'm on. I'm 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 brutally open with him. Uh, he he sees every part of who I am. I can. Process out loud with Moses. And we know this to be true because at one point God's like, kill them all! I don't want them anymore. Moses like, "Well, whoa, wait, wait, Dad, oh whew, hold on just a second. And God's able to be, he said, I'm able to be face to I'm able to be authentic and real with him and process out loud with him. Everybody else, I talk in riddles. I give them little images and things like that because they can't handle me being real and authentic because I'm, fr- I'm frustrated and I'm processing and I'm God and I can snap my finger and kill him. But with Moses are treating differently, why? Because he's my buddy, he's my best friend, and he's mature enough for me be able to show him the deep things and not him go running off and be accusatory of me. He understands my nature, and with him, I speak face to face, not just in riddles like I've done with all the rest of you suckers. So you need to understand something, Miriam and Aaron. You have overstepped in a way that is not respectable and I will not put up with it. Continuing on. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. And when the cloud lifted far from above the tent, there stood Miriam, not Aaron, there stood Miriam, leprous, like snow Aaron turned toward her and he saw that she had leprosy and he said to Moses please my Lord do not hold against us the sin that we so foolishly have committed Moses goes to God he says please 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 release her from me he said if she was if she had done this to her father it has been my command that he would spit in her face and she'd be kicked out of the house I'm not taking her out of the leprosy because I believe firmly that the leprosy on her flesh was the result of the leprosy in her soul, in her spirit. And when the presence of the Lord came down upon her and then lifted up, all could see what was going on, on the inside, because now it's manifesting on the outside. So you may, you may preach a good preach and act a good act, but friend, if you got leprosy of the soul, it's gonna come out and at some point everybody gonna see it. And leprosy in biblical times was so contagious and so violent that you had to be extracted from the people. You had to be quarantined. We know a little bit about that. You had to be removed from the general populace because it was so contagious and so destructive and they had no solution to heal you of it that they had to remove you from being around everyone else. If you felt lonely, if you felt if you felt alone, it could be, you might want to check yourself, that you started dishonoring others and you have no respect and quality of value for other people, maybe the things of God, maybe God himself, maybe spiritual leaders, maybe co-workers, maybe... Uh, uh, you you know, bosses, when you move into a spirit that comes on you and me of dishonor, I promise you, it's like leprosy down in your spirit. And eventually it's going to come out. The other thing about leprosy that is so critical is that the extremities begin to rot away first. But as they begin to rot away, what happens before they fall off and rot off, you lose feeling. You can't feel anything. Have you ever been numb? And a finger or your nose or have you ever had frostbite? Thank you, Jesus. No, come on, because that's why we live in the South. So I don't get that cold. That one ice storm a year is all I can handle without me losing my mind. But the extremities, you lose feeling when you have leprosy. The initial stages is it is that you can't feel anything. You can you can hit it, you can stab it, you don't feel anything. Friend, can I tell you something? If you're sitting in worship and you don't feel anything, you might want to check yourself if you haven't started becoming I don't like the way they do that. That's too loud for me. I don't like that person up there. If you're not it's amazing how everyone else can be getting ministered to by that person or that individual, that boss, and everybody's like, Wow, that's good. We're gonna do this. We can do, we can take this new this New ground, yes, sir. Thank you for this this wisdom. And you're sitting there going, "Mm hmm." Well, we can't. I ain't feeling it. I don't know why y'all like him. And that's because check yourself. You might have dishonor. You might have a just. It is leprosy to your soul. And I've lived in it in in times in the past. And oh my goodness, I felt isolated from God. And I just was like, why? And in this moment, what is going on on the inside of Miriam comes out on the outside and everyone can see it. And God says, separate her out. And I'll tell you why. Because if we let her stay in the camp, this thing is going to propagate from person person to person to person to person to person. And this will destroy the unity of my people. That's why dishonor and disrespect is so detrimental to the plan that God has for each and every one of us. Come together in unity. Recognize that we all fail. That we all have weaknesses. That none of us are perfect. Come on, somebody. But I honor you not because you're perfect. I honor you because you're alive. I value you because Jesus valued you enough to die for you. And if he valued you you enough to give his life, then how be it for me to think, because you're a jerk, because you ain't got it all together, that I'm not going to value you as well. I'm going to be like Jesus, and I'm going to honor everyone, including Nero. Let's go to the second, if you will, power, the power that this this dishonor has. And here's the second thing it does. It impacts your legacy. It impacts your legacy. It affects your children. And your grandchildren It gets down in the DNA of who you are and thereby who you're reproducing. Let's look at this moment in Genesis chapter 9 with Noah and his son Ham. Now, for 150 days, Noah has been stuck on a boat with his wife, his three boys, their wives, and w- way too many animals. That's a lot of poop. I'm going to just say it like that. Just leave it right there. That's just... Way too much. 150 days. It rained 40 days a night, but he was stuck with that thing locked for 150. I want you to think about 150 days locked up in a place with your family. When he gets out of the boat, the first thing he does is plant a vineyard and gets drunk. You'd get drunk too, probably, if you have been in a boat for 150 days. Your family would be like, help me. I'm going to kill somebody. And so this guy gets drunk as all get out. We'll pick up in verse 21 of Genesis 9. He drank of the wine and became drunk, which is sin. And he uncovered himself in his tent, which is shameful. Verse 22, Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers. Ooh, look at that gossip. Always when there's dishonor, there's going to be gossip connected to it. But Shem and Japheth, took a garment and laid it upon their, bro- upon their shoulders and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were turned away so that they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son, Ham, what he had done. How did he know? He wasn't standing there. How did he know? Obviously, he woke up covered with somebody else's clothes. Some of you had that experience before Christ. Jesus, help us. How did I get here? But he some obviously Hugh knew because he went out and started asking what happened. And ain't a whole lot of people on the planet. I mean he knocked that out in about a three minute conversation. I mean, everybody's dead except for his his wife, his three boys, their kids, and if they've had any children at this point, who knows? And well, they have had children, and so his couple of his grandkids. He said, uh, and so he said, verse twenty five, Curse be Canaan. Who's Canaan? Canaan is Ham's son. Curse be Canaan. I'm going to take you through this, but let me read it all to you. A servant of servants, he shall be to his brothers. He also said, blessed be the Lord. Who did he bless? The Lord. The Lord of who? The God of Sham. Sham acted like his God. So blessed be God who's at work in Sham's life, who obviously is not at work in Ham's life. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Sham, And let Canaan... Be his servants. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Sham and let Canaan be his servants. I did a lot of study on this this week. Why did he proclaim this about Canaan? He didn't do anything. His daddy did something, but he didn't do anything. Let me tell you what most quality scholars believe, and this is where I believe. that What he was doing was he was seeing into the legacy of his son Ham. And he was seeing that Ham, hey, because you've got this spirit of dishonor in your life, it's gonna affect your children's children's children. Yeah. See, Canaan became the father of the Canaanites. If you read down through your scriptures, you'll find the Canaanites rebelled against God and became the enemy of their brothers, what that we know as the Jews or Israel. And guess what? They were constantly fighting in their rebellion against God's people. And guess what they constantly were having happen to them? They were constantly being defeated and becoming someone else's servant. I believe that when Noah is saying these words, he is not cursing his grandson because his grandson didn't do anything. What he's saying is, hey, ham, buddy, because you've got this spirit of dishonor on you, it's going to affect your children's 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 children. This is going to go down through your culture. This is going to go down through your legacy. Man, let, let me tell you something. It, 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 let me just help you with this. I wonder how many times you and I have talked about, about our bosses at home and what's the effect that's going to have on our children overhearing us talk about that. I, I wonder if, if you and I are so busy vilifying every Christian leader, what's the effects of that? and our grandchildren and our children. If you and I have a habit of devaluing those who can't make us successful, what is the ramifications of that down through our children's children's children? Because see, you have a legacy whether you believe it or not. You have those following you whether you think you're a leader or not because as you reproduce, you reproduce who you are, not what you preach about. You can talk about all day long, this is what we should do and what we are. That, but when I look at your children and I look at your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren, what that shows me is what you really are because we reproduce who we are though we sit around preaching about who we want to be. And so when you and I carry the spirit of dishonor, when we don't value people, we talk bad about people. I'm telling you, it's affecting our children. And he says, Curse be Canaan. There's gonna be a curse on him. Hey, and what you've done, but look at Jacob, J- because you have served the Lord, because you have showed honor in my foolishness. Can I just help you something? Let me just help you, get you delivered for something. There is not a man or woman of God on the planet that does not have flesh. This is God's man. He's killed everybody else to start over, but he picked Noah, who was a righteous man, the Bible says, and said, I'm gonna restart the whole planet. I'm going to restart all of humanity with this dude, so this dude is awesome. I, he's much better of a follower of God than probably most us, but in that he still has flesh, he has weaknesses and brokenness, and instead of covering him, ham uncovered him when I, in fact most scholars believe that what was transpiring here is not that he walked in and saw his nakedness <laughs> but that in his in his in his And his his anger that, how could you act like this? How could you be like this? Most scholars believe that he walked out of that and began to say, I should be the leader of our clan because he's not worthy to be the leader because look how he's acting. Look what he's done. He's gotten drunk. How can he be our leader? Whereas the other brothers didn't listen to that back in and covered his we should never 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 hide the sins of leaders we don't. We should uh, 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 We. how much scandal do we have to hear about before someone steps up and goes hey that's not right but you and I should not live our whole lives trying to seek out uh, the brokenness in other ministers and other leaders and other believers, everyone's broken what we should learn to do is to honor them enough and value them enough to cover what we can and then help them enough to get free from that thing that is destroying them and hurting others, this is the nature of Christ and you and I have to walk in a culture of honor because if we don't it affects our children and our children's children it will affect our legacy here's the third thing that the power of dishonor will have in your life and that is it will derail the solutions that you're crying out to God for God I need to know what to do here God I need a miracle here Dishonor will derail that from coming to you in the way it should in the ways God's trying to bring it to you I'll prove it to you in Mark chapter 6 And verse 1, Jesus has gone around ministering. He's healed the sick. He's raised the dead. He is doing miracles like crazy. And they're starting to see this is the Messiah. The Messiah has come to the planet until verse 1. Jesus left there and he went to his hometown. Where did he go? Where did he go? Hometown. He went back to where he grew up. He went back to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. What were they? they were blown away. (laughs) What? (laughs) No one's ever taught like this at our church. What is this? Where did this man get these things, they asked. What is this wisdom that has been given him, and even, that he even does miracles? So they acknowledge that he's got wisdom beyond anything they've ever seen, because they are amazed, blown away, freaked out, overwhelmed, and he does miracles. Are you tracking? Say yes. You're tracking? Who is this guy? What? How is this that he can do this? And then verse 3, it shifts. Wait a minute. Isn't this the carpenter? That dude built my he built out my bathroom. <laughs> That's the dude on the construction company that came and, and did my bathroom. And he, isn't this Mary's son? Mary? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of James, Joseph, and Judas, and son. Isn't, isn't this the kid? Who knocked on the door trying to raise money to go to camp? Isn't this that same kid? And they took... And, and aren't his sisters with us? I mean, in, that, that's his sister that got in trouble at the school board the other day, right? That, like, that's his sister. And then they says, and they took offense at him. He's there to heal them. He's there to give them solutions to their problems. God has showed up on the scene in the flesh... And they lost respect in a moment because of where he came from, because they had seen him just be an everyday human growing up, and they said, he cannot be anything of value to us. And keep reading. Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among his relatives and his own house is a prophet without what? What is honor? To value, to respect, to treat as important. Only in his hometown, among his relatives, in his own house, is a prophet without value. Only here am I being devalued. Verse 5, he could not, what does it say? He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Jesus is not limited to doing miracles. But because of this honor, they had not the ability to receive. Everything you need, God has the ability to bring to you and he'll accomplish it. My question is, what if he uses the little kid down the street to bring your solution, but you have no value for them? It will hinder the solution that's coming to you. What, what I, I mean, how many miracles and answers to prayer were lost in this moment because they disrespected you? How many, how many little widow women have been sitting there? Oh, God, oh God. how many times did they go to the synagogue and pray out, Jehovah God, I have given my life to you. They're going to take away my house. God, I need a miracle. How many times at prayers and requests and needs had gone forth in that town, the solution provider shows up but they don't like the avenue through which God wants to bring the solution. Because they have no value for that. I wonder how many times you and I have missed the solutions of God because we had no value by the, for the carrier by which he was bringing it through. What if your coworker, who you can't stand, who you think is trying to take your job, is actually part of God's solution plan for something you're going through? What if... What if that husband is just a jerk that you have written off as not worthy of your respect or value is actually part of God's plan for your safety for the future? What if? What if the spirit, the culture of dishonor is keeping you from having the solutions? Because through whom he brings them, you have lost value for. That's scary to me, right? I mean, uh, listen, not so long ago, um, years, years ago, there was a ministry that hurt Jamie and I deeply, deeply wounded us. They were wrong, no and or buts about it. And I've asked enough people and gossiped about them enough to get enough response from others to agree with me. But I stayed on their mailing list so I could judge them. (laughs) Not so long ago, I was going through something. I was before the Lord, and I said, Lord, I need an answer to this. I was seeking, searching scriptures. I was listen, listening to any podcast. I was watching everybody. Bishop Jakes didn't have it. Tony Evans didn't have my solution. I was so mad at God. I was reading through the Bible, nothing. It was like I would read through the Word, and get nothing. You ever done that? Nothing, 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 nothing. And then I'm scrolling through my emails couple of days into this process of God, what do you want me to do? What is the answer to this problem? And I see their email in all of my list of emails. And you know how that is. You just see the the title of the email. And it said a little something, and it grabbed my attention. And normally, I just look at the title and delete these people. But I keep them just in case I can find something else to gossip about them. You know what I'm saying? And I hear the voice of the Lord as clearly as I've ever heard him. You know that thing you're looking for? Yes. What if it's in that email? And I said, it can't be. (laughs) Because they're full of the devil. (laughs) They did me wrong. God, you can never use them again. They're false prophets, false teachers. They can't be used by that. And he goes, you have no honor. And so therefore, you're going to miss out on the gifts that I have for you. Through people that you've learned to disrespect, and you think just because I haven't disciplined you roughly in this, that I'm okay with your attitude. I said, "Let me open this email real quick." <laughs> I started reading through this email, I began weeping. That's what I needed. I had so devalued them because of their because of their moment of brokenness that hurt me, that I could not receive from them again. I had spiritual leprosy I could not I I couldn't receive I was the tips were dead I was dying on the inside and and I'm in this moment where I need a solution and I'm about to miss it because I didn't like the carrier of the solution who cares if Amazon brings it or FedEx brings it I'm just grateful they showed up at the door. Come on, somebody. <laughs> just come. They show up at the door. My order got through. Yes! Who cares? I'll never forget the first time Amazon started using just people off the street to drive stuff over to your house. You had that one show up? First early part of COVID, this dude knocked on my door. I'm looking out the window and he's in some little, you know, Kia Sport. Like, what does this guy want? <laughs> you white people, y'all just open the door. Ha! <laughs> hey. I'm like, looking out the blind, through the door, what do you want? He's like, I have a delivery. Like, no, nah, I saw that movie. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm checking my little security cameras, looking at it, you know, through the little, through the little doorbell thing. You know, I'm like, no, nah, where's your shirt at? I don't see Amazon written on nothing. Ah, oh, sir, they letting us, like, no, nah, I saw that movie. Uh-uh. No, sir. And I finally, You had to convince me. I'm like, where's your, where's your Amazon van? What you driving? Oh, yes, sir, I do this as a side hustle to make some money for my family. I'm like, what? I came out there, started talking to this guy. He was just a good dude. And he just, that, just Amazon hired people out, just let them drive their own cars, T-shirts and shorts. And I'm like, all right, we'll praise the Lord. And then I opened my package. I was like, yes. You and I are so critical of the packaging, excuse me, of the delivery person um, that we're missing out on the delivery. I'm going to give you a couple thoughts on how you and I can break this culture of dishonor. You want to break it with me? Come on, let's do it. Here's the first thing that the scripture teaches us to do, and that is pray for. Pray for. Pray for that brother who hurt you. Pray for that, pray for that, that group of people. Pray for that boss that you don't like, that, that you don't have respect for because they haven't been respectable. Pray for them. Pray for them. Jesus said, pray for our enemies. How much more pray for those that we lack respect for? They're not even necessarily our enemies. But if Jesus told us to pray for them, then why can't we pray for that person that we're struggling to respect? As you begin to pray for them, I'm telling you, something will shift. It'll shift, and you'll come out of that dishonor and start having a value for them. See, once you start praying for someone, that shows that you have enough value to care about their soul. Come on now. That, so you're starting into in honor now. Because once you start praying, that means, you know what, I'm going to take what's precious to me, the very limited time that I have before the Lord to pray. I'm going to start praying for you. You're going to be on my list. I'm going to put you on the most valuable thing I can do. Seek God and pray and seek his face and ask for his help. And I'm going to put you on that list of those I'm asking for God's help in. And as I put you on that list, I am showing you honor. I am actually stepping out of my dishonor and praying for you, believing that you're valuable enough that God wants to touch your life and maybe transform you through my prayers. Are you tracking with me today? Say yes. Here's the second thing I would teach you to do. Write this down. It's going to help you. Put on your Jesus glasses. You don't see me with glasses on today because I got my Jesus contacts on. <laughs> right? And so if I don't wear my contacts, I cannot see anything on that satanic iPhone that I have. Everything just goes, Whoa? But I put on some other lenses so I can see more clearly. You and I think that viewing people through our lens is acceptable. We think that we have the right view on things. That our view is the right view. The other day I was painting with a sprayer. And unbeknownst to me, it had, it had speckled all over my glasses. And I couldn't figure out why I walked into the wall <laughs> when I went to leave that room. I'm like, I'm getting old. I'm what I'm, 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 this <laughs> happened. I'm losing my mind. I don't my depth perception. I'm serious, I went in the bathroom because my nose (laughs) hit my nose. I went in the bathroom, I couldn't see it. I pulled my glasses off, it had speckles all over it. See, your view of a lot of things has been covered with stuff that you didn't even realize is blurring your view. So take your view off and put on Jesus' glasses and start seeing them the way he sees them. Like I've said a hundred times today, He valued whoever it is in your life, he valued them enough to die for them. So, how dare you and I dishonor them and disrespect them, hate them, gossip about them, slander about them? How dare you and I keep them in a place of hatred in our heart, or misappropriating them when we speak? Which brings me to the third piece, and that is breaking the culture of dishonor. Pray for them, put on your Jesus glasses. And let me just say this about, about putting on your Jesus glasses. When you start putting on your Jesus glasses, you'll start finding value in people that you've never had value for. The other day, the other day, uh, we bought this piece of property, and it doesn't have a sewer line into the city. It has its own septic tank. Now, I know, you, I, I know you city folk don't know nothing about that, but the country folk know that all the stuff that you flush goes into a big tank underground. And so as we've gotten this little house that we're fixing up, you know, kind of on a little piece of property, uh, the contractor said, hey, you might want to have the septic tank checked. And I said, well, all right, what does that look like? Well, you just call somebody and they just come clean it out. I was like, okay, great. I don't know anything about that. So I start calling around. I get this boy on the phone. I called it three times, the phone number back and forth. Didn't have a voicemail or nothing. I just kept calling. I was like, what's wrong with this thing? It's just back and forth. It's got this number on this thing. It's a business line. Finally, this guy answers his cell phone. Hello! <laughs> I said, and I hear it in the back. End, blah, blah, blah. I said, uh, yeah, I'm I'm calling about Getting my septic tank maybe cleaned out. He said, I'm so sorry. You've been calling? I said, well, yeah, I have. He goes, I'm up to my elbows and poop. I tell you, I just hadn't had time to answer the phone. I said, okay. Praise the Lord. Can you say poop in church? Anyway, and I just said, uh, I said, okay. I said, well, I said, I, I, we're, we're trying to fix this part of the, the, the property up, and we need to cover back over. him. I've got it uncovered right now, so it'd be a really good time for me. Can you get out here? He goes, man, I'm backed up two weeks. I'm so busy. I'm like, this dude is making some money. I'm backed up two weeks. I said, Well, I'm in Cedar Hill. He goes, Actually, I'm going to be in Cedar Hill in two days. He goes, You know what? While I'm there, I'll I'll come take a look at it. I said, I said, Okay. He said, Well, I said, What time? He goes, I can't tell you that because I'm so busy. I'm going to try to fit you in. He said, When I call, I answer the phone. I'm like, This guy's got control of my life. He is telling me what to do. And I'm like, Okay. No lie. Friday, I'm sitting in a major meeting with major players. And my phone starts ringing, and I look down, and it's the poop dude. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, i got to answer this. So I step out. Hey, he goes, hey, I'm on my way. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm like 10 minutes away. Give me a second. So I go up of the meeting. I said, i got to dismiss myself. I jump out of that meeting. I show up. This dude shows up with a truck, and it's got a big hose on the back of it. And he says, and he, he says, he says all right, I got you. I, I can fit you in. I said, okay. And I show him he undoes it. 10 minutes the man works for 10 minutes at my house and then he gives me the bill for three hundred and fifty dollars in ten minutes so that's how much is that an hour (laughs) times four so what is that that's like thirteen hundred dollars fourteen hundred dollars an hour this man is making a lot of money in the stuff that you and i do not value (laughs) that man has found a way to value poop, to become a multi-millionaire. And you and I are like, get it away from us. Oh my God, get it away. Oh, write the check here. Tell me what to do, sir. I am your servant, you know. I will stop my important meetings for you. This man is making a fortune through the stuff that we devalue. In that moment, I had a revelation. I'm buying a poop truck. I'm going to make a million I have a side also. <laughs> uh, you're like, yeah, I pastor it. He'll preach the word to you and clean out your poop. <laughs> but it, it spoke to me. The thing that we don't value, God can make valuable. And you and I need to see it through Jesus' eyes. It gets us our third and last piece, and we've got to hurry. You guys aren't listening fast enough. The kids' ministry is going to be mad at me. Number three, and that is speak life. Amen. Every Sunday, as our minister's stand in front of you, and we pray over your tithes and offerings. We pray over you to be blessed. We always quote that passage out of Proverbs, that life and death is in the power of the tongue. tongue. Speak life. We've got enough people speaking death. We've got enough people saying they're idiots and stupid and it's terrible. And you, you know, I tell people all the time, The Bible says, if you don't like your president, pray for them. If you like your president, pray for them. Pray for those in authority. We have the ability to vote how we vote. And when our nation votes against the way you voted, that doesn't give you the right to stand in hatred and devalue. Then you do what the Bible says. Pray for them. Put on your Jesus glasses. I pray every... Since I've been alive and a Christian, no matter who the president was and who the governors were and who the mayors were, I pray for them to have an encounter with God. Amen. Amen. I pray that God shows up in their, in their bedroom, wakes them up in the night, and speaks to them. I pray that God would camp around them, people of wisdom, godly wisdom. I pray Ephesians 1.17, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, would rest upon our leaders. Amen. Whether I like them or not, whether I voted for them or not, I'm going to honor them. Because there's value in them, even if I don't see it. And I'm gonna speak life about them. Now, when they're, when they're on campaign trail and they're not the one I wanna vote for, I'm like, no, I'll vote for this one, ooh, I like this one better. But once it's done, life. How, aren't you t- tired of people speaking death against you? Then why would we be the propagators of that? Listen to me, young people. Why do you speak evil against your parents? Because they've got some brokenness? Welcome to life, so do you, stupid. Why don't, why, don't you, why don't you step up and say, you know what, I know my mom and dad's not the smartest, the greatest, the best, or whatever, but they're mine. I'm gonna speak life over them. Why do you call your kids stupid? Are you crazy? Why do you look at them with disdain in your eyes because they're not like their big brother? Why, why, have, you, why have you let your stepchild intimidate you to a place where you don't speak life over them anymore? Are you crazy? It's because of spirit of dishonor It's so rampant in our culture that we don't even know what honor looks like anymore. So we have to break it. We're gonna break it because we're gonna pray for those that we don't have honor for. And God's gonna do something. Then what's gonna happen? We're gonna start putting on our Jesus glasses because God, you're gonna have to help me find something valuable because right now, they are nothing but poop to me. (laughs) And then number three, we're gonna speak life. We're gonna speak it. My Louisiana grandma used to say, if you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say none at all. And that's why she was a bitter little lady, and she didn't talk a whole lot. <clears throat> that's the truth. Stand with me all across the room quickly.